This is Via VHS. So welcome back to the Via VHS Retro Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Wesley, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Scott Holmes. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty darn good today. We got a fun-filled movie coming up, you know, all kinds of good stuff going on. Literally, this movie is like one of those ones like, like two days ago, there was a forest fire that like you could go walk outside and see it across the canyon. <laughs> watch the yeah. planes fly over so i was like oh this movie's right in my alley then <laughs> i thought about you i was actually wondering if it was filmed near you for a while i looked it up it's not but i, no. I thought it could be i thought it could have been it, it really it, the scenery is not that much different you know i was going my guess was oregon or washington and then when i saw the credits i'm like oh yeah they use washington montana a little mm. bit of like idaho well, we're going to be talking about the movie always from 1989 um before we get into that we're starting season two of the Via VHS podcast. Um, you know, streamlining things a little bit, kind of making things a little easier to do. My life is so damn crazy. I'm like, how can I continue to do this every week? So I decided we're going to take out the flashback portal, making it its own separate little thing, a really easy show to do. It's going to be its own show, which is where you mentioned yourself. I think that's kind of where it was going anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I'm going to kind of do that. And uh, kind of keep these shows in a smaller clip, like trying to you know get between the forty-five minute and an hour mark. Yeah, and, uh, I think that's just going to be easier for me to do. I mean, there's literally been episodes if you've watched to the end, which God bless you if you do. <laughs> but there's been episodes like I've been falling asleep at times. It's just like my life's so so crazy. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll keep them streamlined, you know, and right to the point. And as I said, I think the flashback portal. It's like that's the one that. The more you kind of can deep dive into that, you kind of go, man, this this is a show in itself right here. You know? I think so, too. Because sometimes having those two together was almost like, you know, you, you'd even just watch the timer yourself and be like, oh, my gosh, we've been in this flashback portal for so long that, you know, if, if we went an extra 15 minutes, here's an episode right here. We haven't got to the movie yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to make the show a lot better. I don't want to get rid of it because I love it. And mm -hmm. I think I'd like to incorporate you into it, too. But I'm going to start. Just kind of seeing, filling it out and seeing how it works. Unfortunately, it'll have to be a Spotify um, exclusive because I'm going to be actually playing the songs. It's going to be kind of like a DJ experience. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'll dive into the um, news if there is any. Um, but it'll the, the flashback portal is still going to align with whatever movie we do on Rewind Review. So we'll basically be featuring a whole week in yeah. time. And um, we'll pick a movie out of there. And talk about that. And then on the flashback portal, I can uh, spend a little bit more time with the music and actually play some songs and stuff. So, but it has to be on Spotify because that's the rules with Anchor. But maybe things will evolve in the next yeah. few years. As um, I said, I feel Spotify seems always like the, you know, the majority there. Not saying that, you know, there's not other fine way. places to listen to podcasts, but, you know, I always think that like the big three is Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. Mm -hmm. Everything else is kind of a bonus past that point, you know, and, you know, yeah. you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff to listen to them on and so on. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel it, it would be, be if it was something like it was just one of those random, random, like, you know, pod sites where it's just like, oh, okay, I can only do the music on this one where you're like, nobody has an account on there or anything like that. That would be kind of weird, but Let's be honest. It seems like unless somebody's just anti-Spotify, pretty much most people have it now. There are some. There are some. Yeah. But, I mean, look. Are those people the, hanging on to Pandora? Yeah. Ah, I forgot that even existed. I mean, you know, I, it has to be this way. It's unfortunate that it has to be just Spotify for now. Maybe if Apple, you know, music, you know, can incorporate with um, – you know, Apple podcast and maybe in the future mm -hmm. and same thing with Google, maybe. Yeah. Um, or YouTube really, then you, it'll be the same thing. But um, right now it just has to be that way. But streamlining the show is going to be a lot easier for me. You know, my life is crazy, dude. I got my son hit the triple crown today. My little one, he pooped, peed 
and threw up on me today. Oh, geez, look at you. There was a triple crown. Yeah. He's a champion. Yeah, he and, is. Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That all happened in one day. And oh, um, God. it took me literally, and this is not an indictment on the movie we're going to review here in a second. It took me all day to finish it. I started literally, I would say a little after 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Kind of got the kids calmed down. I'm like, okay, you know, I got a few minutes to kind of watch something. I knew I wasn't going to finish it all at once, but I thought half. No, it was really in 20 minute increments off the day. <laughs> you watch it like a TV show. Basically, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it took me forever to finish it. Um, but um, I kind of, we'll start here always. Yes. Had you ever seen this before? Negative. This is one of those Steven Spielberg movies I never saw. And once you kind of brought it up, I'm like, boy, this is really like one of the lost Spielberg flicks. Oh, 100%. It's, it's kind of like the Sugarland Express. Like that's the other one that feels like another real lost Steven Spielberg one. Well, I would say I was going to mention that because I, I would say this is the least discussed um, mm-hmm. Spielberg movie. And you could throw there's some others like Sugarland Exp- Express. You could throw in there. Some would try to argue 1941, but I feel like that's got kind of like an infamous reputation. So yeah, like well, and it has John Belushi in it, and John Belushi only right. has so many movies. I feel that's what made that movie always seem big. Because when I was a kid, that was like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's like, hey, I like Blues Brothers. What's another John Belushi movie? It was like, there you go. Here's one right here. Yeah. You know, so like I, I remember watching that one a lot as a kid. And then I went to watch it again as an adult, and I was like, hmm, this, oh no, kinda, this movie's kind of odd. I, I like the story behind it because that's just where Steven Spielberg just went kind of almost like insane and was like not caring like how much money he spent on a movie anymore <laughs> and so on. And almost like it's part of like those there's like about five films or so, give or take, that just like destroy that freedom of like, in a sense, what the 70s had for making movies. And I'm like, I'm like, I like how Steven's a part of this, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not infallible. He's, you know, he um, he's had his mistakes. He's had his bumps in the road. Good thing with Spielberg, even his like duds mm-hmm. are are a lot of them are you know hidden gems and i would say this one is is one up there and maybe like 10 20 years down the road as we're looking back at spielberg maybe he's not around anymore 10 20 25 years i hope he is yeah but um you know we might be looking at some of his later films in that category you mm-hmm. know maybe like you know like you know, Bridge of Spies and the, like the post, we might consider them more forgotten than this one, but this is um, right in his height. This is like peak Spielberg. I mean, this is sandwiched between hook and last crusade. Yeah. And I, I, I totally forgot this film even existed. It's one of those ones like it's like I don't think they've really ever done like a re-release. There's no special edition one of it because pretty much mostly all the Steven Spielberg ones always have that at least, you know, special edition, two disc, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever you want to kind of say. This one, it has just a singular DVD release, singular Blu-ray one. And it almost feels like it's kind of like they just look, took the laser disc and they just kept recopying it over to the next new format. Like there's, you know, you look on the back and it's like, mm, well, there's no no making of, no audio commentary, no none of that stuff. So you know, it's one of those ones where there, which is kind of weird because it is kind of like a pretty neat movie all in all. Like, it's like, really, I, I actually had no idea what I was actually going in. I was literally yeah. looking at the cover of the movie and the cover told me nothing what this movie is really about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I mean, this was kind of a passion project yeah, uh, for Spielberg. And um, I think some of the reason this, this movie's forgotten, one, it's definitely... Even we're going to say a lot of good things about this movie, but I think yeah. we'll agree it's definitely not one of his top upper echelon movies, and that's mm-hmm. only because his upper echelon movies are just like all time like mega hits. So yeah, it's it's really hard, you know, to put this this film in that in that you know category. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just it's so weird how this film just kind of you know disappeared. And I think part of it is the is the MGM factor, you know, because MGM's been kind of like tumultuous for it seems like fifty years, <laughs> and I you know the United Artists thing and then Universal had a part you know played a part into in the distribution. But I think there's I think well, that Universal, has something to do with it. 
it's weird because also Universal comes up at first on mm -hmm. the. I'm not talking about like the there's there's the the modern one, but there's like the old Universal logo comes up right at the beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. you know. But I think it's with those weird like combo distributions and so on like that. And it kind of makes sense because yeah. most MGM stuff mostly has kind of funky like they they don't put any bells and whistles in a lot of those MGM movies. I noticed when you get them on DVD or something like that, it's, it's, you're pretty mm -hmm. lucky to find one of a super special edition. Yeah, it's it's. I think there's just a lot of factors in play here, but it is kind of um you know what this movie felt like uh-huh and we'll kind of get to we'll transition to the plot because uh, a lot of people don't even know what this movie is or what it's about i'll tell you real quick uh, what i was going to mention before the only reason i knew this existed mm -hmm. was when jurassic world dominion came out i was um remember how back in like the day in the history channel or discovery like if a big mega Blockbuster was coming out. They try to find a way to do like some type of documentary or something to piggyback off of it. Yeah, I love those ones. I do too. And somebody posted a Jurassic Park thing from 1993. And it was a dinosaur documentary. It was about mm -hmm. um, the history of kind of like um, finding dinosaur bones and how we became aware of what these you know creatures were. And then it would go in between that. It would go back and look at Jurassic Park and. There was this British guy narrating it, and he goes, um, Stephen had worked hard on Jurassic Park. His last uh, two films, Hook and Always, were not always loved by critics. And I was like, what the fuck is Always? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? So immediately IMDb, and I'm like, what is this? What? And it says directed. I'm like, okay, well, who? Oh, a nice cast. John Williams, you know. You got the whole shebang, and then what it is is it feels like Steven Spielberg got like a lot of money to do a Lifetime movie. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. And I want to say that Jurassic Park special feature you're talking about—that's literally on the archive section. I'm like, if you get any special edition version of Jurassic Park, I think nowadays, ever since the collector's edition came out, it's probably been on every single one. But, mm. but I've watched that one before. But oh. it, it makes kind of sense because, yeah, and. I think the really interesting thing about this is this kind of like as I'm watching this movie, because I'm watching it with like my kind of first experience of like taking this one in and so on. And I almost if I had to describe it to somebody, I'd be like, if you took three things and combined it together and you combined ghost, backdraft and top gun, <laughs> that's what this movie sort of is. And granted, it predates, you know, two of those movies. But like you take the, like that's the best way to sort of say it. it's got firefighters. It's got a guy who dies and comes back to life to like, you know, uh, change like the future. And then it's got like a flight school kind of pilot thing going on here and whatnot. And going through it all the way, the, the really interesting thing is knowing that this is actually a remake movie, but like mm -hmm. an alternative remake of a guy named Joe from 1943, yep. which that movie in itself already sounds really amazing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I really want to check that out. But of course, it's just like always where it's like there's barely any versions of it out there. And the, your best bet is just to rent it from Amazon or something like that. But um, but yeah, it's just the whole fact that Richard Dreyfuss and Steven Spielberg were like, dude, that was like one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. Yeah, yours too. Like, and they just would like mm -hmm. quote it back and forth to each other. And then like they're that's how this all came together. But the idea of I think that's like a really cool way to take a remake is the original ones about World War II, you know, bomber pilots and so on like that. But you're like, well, how do you do that in 89? They're firefighter bomber pilots, which that's something I've, I've always thought like that never gets touched on in movies mm -hmm. or in storytelling in general, like even like a video game, like why is there not a, like a one where you play as like a firefighters, like bombing out, you know, forest fires and so on like that. That just sounds so cool in itself. Yeah, this is, this is um, a lot of really cool concepts in this movie. And I think, you know, maybe uh, my voice got really high there. I think it may have <laughs> uh, really kind of pushed ghost along. And you mentioned on one of the past episodes, like how, like there's one movie that's put into production and they're like, then other producers scramble to find other movies that are similar to put into production. And Hollywood probably heard Spielberg's doing a, a, um, you know, a movie about a ghost. He's doing a remake of a guy named Joe. And they're like, oh, I got to get this ghost script lying around. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know much about the movie ghost, but it feels like this, that could have been a situation um, there. Cause I think ghost is 1990. Yeah. So it's right after and that's, that's almost like they're so close that they're it's, it's almost like you know that like that happened in the scripting part. Like, like that's mm -hmm. not like one of those ones like one movie made and somebody's like, hey, I got an idea now. But that seems to always be how it is. There's always two or three movies that are kind of like, and I think it was just like scripts float around and they're in the same thing. And when one gets caught, it's like it almost like, hey, we need two more of those real quick. Mm -hmm. Just in case they're hits. And this one, I just, it's, it's, it does, it 
doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie at, at, at certain points, which I don't I got into an argument with some people on Twitter. I don't want to say an argument because it was actually very civil and we were just debating. Mm-hmm. But it was this video from AFI and it was talking about um, it was Spielberg talking about how he doesn't have a style. And like that he does, you know, that he's kind of a chameleon and kind of does his own thing. And everybody was disagreeing with him in the comments that were like, well, that's not true. You have a style. And I'm like, well, he has trademarks and he has themes, but he is kind of a chameleon where movies don't Scorsese movies, a Scorsese movie. Yeah. But Spielberg kind of, you know, is kind of has, you know, there are themes and there are certain shots and there are certain things that he'll do, but he can, he can kind of flow through genres, you know, pretty easily. And, but even so this one still kind of doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie. Well, that's a perfect example, though, is like you if you if you didn't know Steven Spielberg going into this movie, I don't feel like you'd even guess that. Like when you would see the credits pop up, you'd be like, whoa, that's Steven Spielberg. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it would be kind of a shocker and not like in a bad way, but just it's like that. And realistically, that's why I always think Steven Spielberg is one of the best directors pretty much out there mm-hmm. is the fact that he has tackled so many different genres and all kinds of stuff. That, yeah, you can't really pigeonhole him to like, you know, some type of like, hey, you know, he's just this is at least his core thing he does. Like his movies switch back and forth all the time from all the things he does. You know, I think it's just like when people say they're like, oh, you only got to start. It's like those are the people that probably have only seen like 10 Spielberg movies, maybe if that even they watch Indiana Jones and they watch like Jurassic Park and a couple of their things. And they think that that's all he does, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, he's got, he's got a lot of movies out there. Yeah, and he like he does have themes. You get the daddy issue theme, and then you got the Spielberg face. You got flashlights. You got all these things that are Spielbergian, and yeah, so he, he has yeah kids. Uh, always fit of you know scenes where you're in their house. I've noticed that. Um, yeah, he, he loves to go to the characters' homes. I, I just that's something I've always noticed in his movies. So he has those things, but those are like trademarks. Those aren't like really you know, a style necessarily, but, um, this, so always, um, from 1989, uh, it's, as you mentioned, remake of a guy named Joe, uh, Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter, John Goodman, a really good cast. Um, yeah. A lot of Keith other smaller David. parts. Keith David's in there. Yeah. That's um, when I saw him, like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, Keith David's in this. He's got like three lines, but that's, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Very underutilized. <laughs> Very yeah. It's like one of the best actors, but, I felt like people didn't realize that he was like an amazing actor till like it was almost like around the 2000s. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this guy who always played kind of bit parts and so on and had an awesome fight scene. And, you know, they live, you know, <laughs> that guy and all kinds of stuff there. Like, because mm-hmm. I feel like nowadays it's like people, it's almost the best way. Like, like, you know, I don't know who Keith David is. You know who the orbiter is in Halo? Yeah, that's Keith David. <laughs> like, that's like the <laughs> easiest way to sort of say it. Yeah, he's in so many things. And I saw when I saw him pop up in this, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's you know, not even really part of the story. He's got like maybe two or three lines. Um, yeah. I think he was called sledgehammer though. I think that was his name. <laughs> yeah. He had a or powerhouse powerhouse. That's what it was. Sledgehammer yeah. powerhouse, whatever. That's pretty cool. Well, I think it's, that goes to like the, like the top gun, like nicknames and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not Dr- too sure if he's supposed to be a, pi- he's like a half pilot, half mechanic. It seems like, <laughs> it seems like yeah. he's filling in a lot of extra jobs that nobody else seems to be doing. Yeah, this film that was, you know, that's another thing too, kind of going into the plot. This film was rushed in a lot of areas, and there was also some very disjointed moments, um, like the homeless guy moment just came out of out of fucking nowhere. And yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> well, well, and then there's also another really big actress in there, which is also another kind of interesting, I guess, slightly just doing what there's Audrey Hepburn in her last movie. She oh, never yeah, does. We haven't, we haven't even brought that and, up. And yeah. She's only in it for like, once again, she's only in it for about as much as Keith David, just about. She's got like two scenes, you know, and she's actually for being like, you know, I guess this is her last movie ever. So she's actually looking really good there for being like, you know, at the end of her lifespan. Yeah. I was reading in the trivia at one point in time and, Bear with me if you haven't heard. I was reading, they brought her out on a stretcher to do her scenes. And I was like, um, was she that sick? What a bunch of assholes. And then I re- as I read, it was because she was wearing all white and they didn't want the, she was in a forest fire setting and they didn't <laughs> want that to get on her clothes. But as the reading the first half of that, I'm like, what? What? Like, let's just wheel her out. Hey, bring her out. Bring her out. Take off. Bring her out. Can we take off the oxygen mask? Thank you. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like bring it out one more time. 
It's like Marlon Brando for his very last role. I love is like he plays um Don Corleone in the Godfather video game for one. <laughs> just like wheel his ass out one more time. Dude, Sean Connery's last thing was this really bad like European animated film about a sheep. And it's oh, like that's right. the Billy or something. And um, there's a bunch of 007 jokes in it, I noticed. Well, well um, at least one of his, uh, you know, couple of the last, I guess, things is he did the From Russia With Love video game. He read, he did all the voice acting in that, which is pretty badass, even though it makes his cool. character sound like, you know, twice as old as he looks in the game. But <laughs> since it's like an extended cut of like the movie, it actually is kind of cool that he does all that. That is really cool. That is really, really cool. And you know, who, who's on more song? At least Audrey Hepburn, when her last role went out with Spielberg. And yeah, it's, you know. she's but, not, uh, she's not in some like C grade movie straight to like video. No, she's not like in some like Bruce Willis <laughs> flick or something. Um, yeah, no, she, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is kind of sad. Um, mm-hmm. especially that she's like helping somebody like transition to the other side is basically her role in this movie. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of like yeah. Clarence from like, a. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, but except, um, you know, kind of French or something. I don't know. But it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot. Yeah, so you got <laughs> Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter, John Goodman, Audrey Hepburn, Keith David, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, then um, the other real big thing, too, I noticed when I was going through the credits is like all the action scenes are shot by uh, Joe Johnston. Oh, really? Yeah, because that's what it said. It said action scenes there, and then it said second unit director was um, uh, Frank Marshall. I don't know if that's the same Frank Marshall as the producer, but yeah, like, does he direct I'm, all kinds of stuff there too? He he has directed some stuff. Uh, I can't remember all the things he's directed, but um, yeah, he's you know it was. I think of course his wife was producer on you know Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall. Uh, yeah, she's producer on pretty much anything that he did, just like Spielberg. Yeah, and um. I don't know. I don't know what's good. Real quick, I gotta get to the plot. I know we keep skipping it. Have you seen that clip where Frank Marshall and George Lucas get snippy with each other at the Force Awakens premiere? <laughs> no, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, and because Frank Marshall's all like, Yeah, Jurassic World just made all this money, and George Lucas is like, I'll squash you like a bug or something like that. It was, it was <laughs> like, really, threatening. Yeah, it was like it was really <laughs> awkward. And the guy interviewed him was like <laughs> like I <would> never, <laughs> he's like one of those Verizon, like kind of like uh, he's like, oh uh, yeah, we're, we're we're just here to you know sell cell phones. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward, but so anyway, but I just yeah. wanted to say that because that goes back before we go any farther. That goes back to how you said it was kind of disjointed. It felt like because all three of those guys were probably all sort of taking the reins a little bit more. Like it felt like mm-hmm. Steven's like, hey, I want to make this movie, but uh, I just don't got all the time to do it. So you guys sort of take over in some of these other scenes. Well, it could have been. Which what's weird about that is I think the only reason he directed it is because he loved the original. Because what happened in the eighties with Spielberg was he was so damn good. Mm-hmm. That he literally any project that was out there, he was the first choice if they could have him. Like, yeah, if you can get Spielberg, get him. He, he's going to make you a ton of money. It's going to be done really, really well. And then mm-hmm. all this home video sales are kind of creeping up uh, in the near future. We got to have all these classics. We want to, like, you know, he was so in demand, but he couldn't direct everything. So he had his like proteges. He had his Zeme- Zemeckis would have been great at this, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, there's a lot of other directors. I feel like he could have just handed it off and just kind of. He always had his fingerprints on those movies that he produced in the '80s. Yeah, um, he doesn't anymore. Like these Transformer movies, clearly he had nothing to do with. <laughs> but yeah, you know. yeah, there's there's a little bit of Steven Magic mix are you missing from those ones? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, back in the day, like Back to the Future. He's on the set. He's helping out. Like he's clearly got an influence on that movie yeah. and, you know, um, gremlins and th- different things like that. So it seems like one that maybe he could have just handed off and they could have taken a little bit more time with it and fixed the script and maybe made some casting changes too. Well, um, I, I think it's no matter what it's Richard Dreyfus and Steven, just that was a movie that they just both loved together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing that they're like, you know what, no matter what, we're, we're just doing it ourselves. I don't care if there's not enough time to do it. We're going to figure it out. We're just going to do it. I feel mm-hmm. like it's one of those movies like, hey, we got a month. Let's we, we can knock it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was for them. And, you know, it it's not a bad movie, but um, no, 
it's uh real quick i'll the plot real quick richard dreyfus is a um what do you call the what's the name of that profession he's just he's uh, a pilot um well it's like i was thinking like a bombardier but like it's um uh, a fire int- it's a we'll call him fire pilot because that sounds awesome yeah, because I mean, I, I always refer to calling them as Bore bombers, like or at okay. least the planes. But the pilots, you know, I yeah, yeah. I think it just it stems from the, the you know the original thing was that all the guys from World War II they just took those bomber planes, they converted them over to Bore bombers, and just started sending them out. And they use them for a long time, and then they finally kind of change them up, but they still don't look that much different to this day and age. Yeah, and these are the planes that wildfires happen in California, Montana. Idaho, wherever they fly these planes over and they, you know, kind of extinguish them or try to make paths or something so people can get out or whatever they need to do. This is their job. And that's what Richard Dreyfus is in this film and his buddy, John Goodman. And yeah. um, Richard Dreyfus is a little um, reckless, a little, you know, kind of a whatever. And then he, there's this whole love, uh, you know, this romance with Holly Hunter in the film. And um, he then this is not a spoiler. This is what the film's about. But he dies. He croaks, mm-hmm. and um, he kind of comes back and has to navigate um, some unfinished business in a lot of ways to um, rectify his life. And that's kind of where the what the movie's about. Yeah, um, and his death scene's cool. Yeah, no, it actually like that death scene, like because I was expecting, because like, I knew he was gonna die or something like that. But I was like, I expecting it to like have a crash, and it's like, no, like the scene is, is like they're flying in, and John Goodman goes down, and he goes down a little too deep into the fire, gets one of the engines caught as he's flying up, and then like the there's not enough time because the engine's gonna blow up because it's gonna hit the gas tank, and so Richard Dreyfus flies by, d- drops the bore on top of John Goodman, puts out his fire, but in the process. He gets caught in the fire, and the the exact same thing happens to him that was happening to John Goodman. And he even has a scene where he just kind of looks over at John Goodman and he does that, like, well, I guess mm-hmm. those is, and then it just blows up really quick. And it's like, holy crap. Like that was actually like really impressive, is like making it surprising, making it that. And then I think just that kind of ironic thing that gives him like this he the thing he just put out for John Goodman, that's how it actually how he's gonna die now, because that's just mm-hmm. how it happened. What's interesting too is the not only do you know going in to the movie that Richard Dreyfuss is going to die. I mean, it's in the trailers. It's what it's about. Yeah. Um, you know, going into that scene, like they set it up clearly that he's getting ready to die. So like they, there's no pretense about like, is he going to make it or not? But the crazy thing is still suspenseful. And I think it's cause you're kind of waiting. Like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? You know? And then it just, the way that was orchestrated was really, really, really great. But, um, you talk about a disjointed part. One thing that was kind of intentionally disjointed is when he meets Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Surreal. <laughs> well, that, and then he, he just accepts death. Like, Oh, I'm dead. Well, what do you know? Yeah, that's not so bad. And then like, it's not like, well, so it's like, I'm dead. Yeah, what do you mean? It's like, he just feels very calm about like hands and pockets, almost kind of like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, what, what do you know? Well, it's, um, What's really cool about it is, you know, so he blows up and then there's like a couple shots where, you know, John Goodman goes and kind of consoles Holly Hunter, but there's no dialogue. It's just a couple, you know, mm-hmm. shots. And then it cuts to him walking through a burnt, burnt down forest like he was taking a stroll. And like um, he doesn't realize he's not thinking about how he got there or, you know, what led him to that moment. And he's just taking a stroll and living in the moment. And then all of a sudden in the middle of this burnt down forest, it's a green patch of grass and Audrey Hepburn sitting there kind of creepily, um, kind of waiting to uh, tell him like all in white in the middle of this burnt down forest. Yeah. And, um, that's when he realized she starts to give him a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) It's very surreal, very bizarre, but it's also really interesting because they kind of go through the whole time is, you know, not the same in our realm because we're eternal. And um, there's a little quip about Einstein, but it was very surreal, kind of creepy. But I love things like that when it comes to like death and just kind of like um, unexplained stuff. The movie Soul, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Whoever made that, that movie watched this movie, too, I think. I, I, I Yeah, that you know, that makes total sense now that you say that. And the thing, too, is like these kind of movies don't exist very often anymore. Like I always call it like this type of fantasy because. 
you know, you got, of course, fantasy that involves monsters and superpowers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that you don't see like that kind of fantasy where it's just kind of like, hey, it's real life. But we're going to add this kind of one little fantasy element to it. You know what I mean? Relatable fantasy. Yeah. You know, and, and these movies kind of used to happen like in the 80s. You know, you really, I would even say 70s, I guess, you know, as far back as can be and so on. But they felt like they petered out about mid 90s or so. And then once in a blue moon, something will do it. But like, they're super rare, it feels like nowadays, unless it's like a religious movie, maybe. Because that's the thing is a religious movie might do something like this and they'll really ham up on it. But this, since it's so religious, it puts it in a box category where people don't go and see it, mm-hmm. you know? It's, um, this movie though, it, I think the weird thing about it is I mentioned a lifetime movie. It has like it's like a, a little bit of lifetime movie going on, a little bit of TV, just right any generic TV movie, um, mm-hmm. like a CMT music video from like the early nineties. <laughs> it has a little bit of all these elements. It's kind of weird. I mean, there's some great shots in it and it looks yeah. really good, but it just it it feels too low key for theaters and at the same time especially when you consider spielberg directed it it feels like you know you got a lot of a-list people that you really didn't need in this kind of a smaller thing it just feels kind of weird to see them in it except for brad the the um the future love interest he feels like he belongs in a lifetime movie and in that movie he's he's kind of out of his league with the rest of the well, remember actors. like when that when that movie first starts off like it was really throwing me off well, i mean i may not run the first us, but when they're at like the okay it's post fire and you know they're having this like kind of big like fireman's ball like inside their like you know forest service base and everybody's out there dancing like nobody's even taking a shower yet so everybody's just all greasy and dirty and just like hanging out and drinking beer and whatnot you know and this guy comes by and he's bringing like he keeps bringing by a package like in a goofy kind of like almost like clown plane but he's dressed like he's like 1940s like errol yeah. almost in a sense and it's just funny because it's like this guy who technically looks better than everybody else around there and they make it like at first i was like the guy who's the best looking guy is treated like he's like the dorkiest like you know person here like you think that like this guy should just be like having big glasses on and goofy hair and all this kind of stuff it's just really weird when they make the guy like really good looking and it's like that that's that's your uh weird nerdy guy <laughs> you know like because yeah. i didn't know what that character was leading into exactly at first but it was just like it was just one of those ones i'm like that's a weird casting choice for that guy well here's the thing too and where this movie gets flack where i think it's undeserved is and Roger Ebert said this is that Holly Hunter and Richard Dreyfus have no chemistry. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I actually like oh, their I dynamic t- a lot in this movie. Yeah. I, I think cause it's like, it's a different one. Cause they got a very, they got a super blue collar kind of dynamic to them and so on like that. And this mm-hmm. sort of coworker love back in the day when that was okay. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that nowadays somebody would be getting sent away to another base, but back then you could do this kind of thing, you know, yeah. but like that, that's the thing is that it's just like, the thing is that like, and it's actually a very like, you know, especially for like 89, it's like, there's like a crap ton of like female firefighters there and all kinds of stuff too. It's like, this place is very like diverse at this time period where you just think it'd be a, a bunch of dudes and like one lady send like, Oh, 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 we're out in the middle of the woods. Like, it's like, this could be bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> it did kind of, well, there, there, was, there was, there was, because they're thinking like, okay, anybody who wants to dance, but you just gotta wash your hands, and they just all ran off like maniacs. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Jesus. I'm gonna touch a girl. Yeah, it was weird. It <laughs> yeah, was... it did have that like thing where it's just like these guys are like, wow, this uh bunch of rough. Well, because at first when they, all the guys were dancing, I'm like, are, are some of those because like they're all like wearing like their full uniforms and greased up, and like I'm like, are those just a bunch of dudes dancing with each other? There? I'm like, oh no, some of those are girls. It's just they have their hairs all tucked up in their helmets and so on like that. But just mm-hmm. as like, you just think that they'd be in a little bit more casual out- outfits, you know? They, they, it's well, like they walked right off the fire line and did not even take their shirt or like their jacket off yet. There's a lot of um attempted humor in this movie that does not land. It's I mean, I like that they took there was some levity to it because you don't want to take yeah. it too seriously. Um, so that was good, and some of it is funny, but there was also some humor in there just felt out of place. Um, and that the, the whole scene, like the the whole gag with the, the he has white towels, and then they run around, and it comes back later, and they're black towels, and it's just like I mean, it just felt out of it feels like a slapstick movie almost for a minute. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it definitely, it, it just might be like, sort of Steven just wanted to try. It's like, it reminds of those kind of things where it's like, that's probably all stuff that Steven finds hilarious. Yeah, and probably. you know what I mean? Because sometimes I think of some of those movies there, like where like they do certain things. It's like George Lucas, you know what I mean? Like George Lucas, Jar Jar Banks is hilarious in his mind. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like, that's why that's kind of there. Or there's just other, you know, you see other movies where there's those kind of jokes. You can tell that, like, I, I see w who that's in there for. It's not for the audience. It's literally for the person making it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's just so much of this movie. It's just kind of, it's kind of weird, but, um, so yeah. So Richard Dreyfus kicks the bucket. He meets up with Hap, who is played by Audrey Hepburn. She says, yeah, you're dead. He goes, okay, cool. That's pretty much it. <laughs> like that's pretty much yeah, how that yeah. conversation goes. Yeah, and, cool. and she keep, keep the sideburns there. I'm gonna still need them. <laughs> yeah, we'll need the sideburns. And then she sends them <laughs> off to to um, guide another pilot. And I'll say this though about the Holly Hunter Richard Dreyfus thing. Before we go any further, he I think part of it is that he, I mean, she's out of his league. Let's just be real. I think it's part of it. Yeah, well, th that's the thing. I, I do have that feeling. They're making Richard Dreyfus out to be a really manly man guy. And Richard Dreyfus always seems like he's, it almost feels like, even though he's older, but let's just say personality wise, him and the other guy almost need to be sort of reversed. I felt like, and Richard Dreyfus should be the kind of goofy nerdy guy. I mean, he's, he's older, so it's kind of different, but like, that's how it almost needs to sort of feel like, I feel like Richard Dreyfus would be great at that guy's character. And maybe that's the thing. Richard Dreyfus just wanted to play a manly character. <laughs> Well, there's that. It's kind of like when the Michael Douglas thing with the Ghost in the Darkness, and he kind of like shoved himself into that role <laughs> like a little bit. I feel like that too. But you know what's weird? Richard Dreyfuss has always looked so much older than he is. He's only in this when this was shot. He's a little over four years older than me. And that, and he looks really? like he's in his sixties. He's like fifties, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like late fifties, early sixties. He is forty-two in this movie. Yeah. Because well, I was almost trying to wonder, because like Holly Hunter, because she like, was she probably thirty two then? No, she was. I think she was twenty nine. Oh, okay, well, well that's yeah, yeah, something like close. Because they, they do have like a pretty big gap between the two there, which I always thought was kind of like okay. And then it's like, oh hey, hey, here's the nice young stud who looks younger than Holly Hunter coming in. Yeah, well, also this is the eighties too, which you know, just Spielberg got a lot of flack for the way he casted Laura Dern and. Sam Neill and Jurassic Park. Well, that's not okay. Well, it's weird because it's like they're, they're, they're not even in a relationship in that one. Like, yeah. they're, they're just like, it's like even in the book, they're not even in one, you know? Well, they are in Jurassic I, Park, I, though. In the original one? No, I, I, I think it's just the only reason there's that comment said is he's like, I don't want Jeff Goldblum hitting on her. Like, I, I think that's mm. why he says that they are, but I don't, I don't believe they are. I think he's only doing it as a defense mechanism. I think people just got kind of confused as time went on. I think it, it, it's like that one that like, they're kind of people that they always sort of liked each other, but they always stuck to their work. And then by Jurassic Park six, then they do become kind of like, Hey, by the way, I always had these feelings. You know what I mean? Mm. And good thing so that guy from Jurassic Park three is not in the picture anymore. Yeah. I thought they were shacking up in that trailer. It's a, it's a whole other debate for another yeah, I, for another movie. But um, if Richard Dreyfus, I like their dynamic, but he also felt out of place too. I can understand both sides of that coin. Like it's just, I don't know. It didn't work completely, but um, yeah, he is essentially sent to help guide um her um what's her, what's her name again? It's weird. Well, her Dian name's like Dorinda. Dorinda, yeah, Dor Dorinda Durston. Um, <laughs> he is sent to guide Dorinda uh, and uh, her future, uh, I guess, husband. Really, the way they kind of set it up, uh, Ted yeah. Baker, to you know be a better person and be, um, you know, a better pilot. And they end up falling in love, and he's got to go through this torturous. Why they would put him in that situation, I don't know. Like, is there, could they not give him another assignment? Could they not give him J <laughs> Jimmy Stewart or something? You know? Yeah, exactly. Here, here. So what you're gonna do? It's almost like uh, is Audrey Hepburn really like the devil? It's always like this is gonna be fucking hilarious. We're gonna make this guy because <laughs> his ex, he's gonna go guide this young punk, you know, to go out date her do everything right he's got to sit there and watch it as they bang you know what i mean like we're gonna put him through all these trials <laughs> he's like way better looking taller square jaw and he's like, okay now now here's the thing you're gonna be there and you're gonna be screaming and you're gonna be in agony and you're gonna hate it but they can't see you exactly you have to stay there and then you got to help this guy not die good luck so 
<laughs> like, he's, he's literally got this Clark Kent guy going against him. Like, there's no way Richard Dreyfuss is going to fucking win. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the other thing. What, what I was kind of leading to is that Richard Dreyfuss, while he may be not in Holly Hunter's league, their dynamic was good. He's very likable. Yeah. He's got a lot of charisma, and you like those two characters together. Um, Brad Johnston. Is it Johnson? Yeah, Brad Johnson. Uh who plays Ted? What's his name again? Ted Baker. Ted Baker. Um, yeah, he's not interesting at all. Like you, they did not do a good job of casting that part because I don't care about him at all. Like he's it, it's he's just kind of wooden. Like his John Wayne impression sucks. Um, <laughs> it's just like everything about him. That character is like, well, yeah, but I don't want to see. Like at the end of the movie. Spoilers, we're getting spoilers now. I kind of want to see Holly Hunter just die so she can go to heaven with, <laughs> with Richard Dreyfus because I don't yeah, pull that, that, guy. that would almost make for it like you, you almost like that would almost could still work as a still a pretty happy, it would be like that bittersweet one, but you'd almost be like, oh no, she's actually happier now because <laughs> they could walk off together and so on, which would almost be kind of better because it is kind of a weird one. You're setting them up for this guy, and you know, it, it's once again, it's just this guy just feels like he, yeah, he's this weird kind of out of place, but it's almost like he's playing the wrong thing as i said i feel like this character supposed to be kind of like uh, it seems like he should be a really nerdy guy who just wants to be part of like you know like the blue collar workforce in a sense like because that's really what it mm-hmm. reminds me of it's like this guy who shouldn't be here but it's like yeah when you got the clark kent looking guy it's really hard to like take that guy serious as like he's just this real goofball because he's just does not look at it at all like i'm it's like they're making out like this guy's had a lot of trouble in life. I'm like, I'm pretty sure all he has to do is smile and he gets every door open for him. Yeah. They needed, they needed somebody. It's fine that they got like a good looking dude in like square jaw kind of, you know, Chad, but it's, that's fine. But, um, they could have got somebody who was a good actor. <laughs> I'm being mean, but this just, he, he doesn't have charisma and Richard Dreyfus has a ton of charisma because what else would have carried that? You know, guy to, I mean, he's the youngest up until Adrian Brody. He was the youngest guy to win an Academy Award. I mean, yeah. and then this guy's got to still, you know, his girl. Like, it's just, it's just, <laughs> yeah. he's out of his league. He's not in there. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely one of those. Ones. I mean, like, he's bookend with John Goodman. So it's like, you got like <clears throat> amazing actors surrounding him. So you kind of can also like, put to the side but it's more like it's not really necessary I, I almost don't even think it's really the guy's acting i just feel like that character is just a weird bizarre character it's both. yeah yeah it's like one of those ones like i feel if that guy was maybe in a different like situation it would be there it's just you, you almost need this guy's probably a little too young at this point but you need someone like an anthony michael hall to be that kind of character like at the time you know, once again, yeah. he's still a little too bit too young. He's probably not that far off though. He's only probably two years old, like younger than this guy, but he just looks more kiddish. We always say this person, and I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking of this casting because of another Aviator kind of movie, um, kind of similar similar movie. Oh shit! Now I can't think of the name of it. Mel Gibson. This one I'm talking oh, about. Oh, Air America. Oh no, that, that's no, 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 no. The, the one is got um, Jamie Lee Curtis in it. And like he's frozen because the his the girl he's with gets hit by a car. What is the name of that movie? Oh crap! Um, yeah, the girl he's with gets hit by a car and she's in a coma. I think I might be getting mm-hmm. some of this wrong. And so he's really sad without her, and he agrees to be frozen. And then he gets accidentally woken up in like 1992, and Elijah Wood is there. That's the kid, and like he falls for the mom. And yeah, I can't remember, but Mel Gibson would have been good at this at this part, I think. Yeah, because Mel Gibson could probably chew up the scenery as being kind of he could probably play a goofy character, but still be kind of like the, I guess the attractive guy too. Mm-hmm. You know, because that that almost would probably be better because then they'd be like similar age ranges. I feel like that would almost be instead of just having like the the young guy to like twenty two years old come walking in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I think also too it's just like. They tried to make this character like, look, it's great because he's safe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's that, that's boring. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, Richard Drivers is kind of reckless and, you know, wouldn't was reluctant to settle down. But yeah. also, he's kind of fucking cool when this guy is a dork. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, well, and it's just like that weird one, too, because, you know, you got Holly Hunter and she's going kind of like 
full kind of blue collar hillbilly kind of look going on there. Like, but not like in a bad way, but she definitely is going with that. It's not like your normal Holly Hunter look, you know, she, she's and, great in this. Yeah. And so she's really chewing up that scenery there too. And as I said, it's just that guy, it's like a mixture of just like, I don't know. I, I almost think it's just even the character itself. I mean, the only thing I started thinking is once I realized this was a remake of a movie, that's where I think some of those weird scenes and some of the other stuff, I almost have a feeling that like that, like even the towel scene, like just to go back to that, I almost wondered, like, I bet you that's actually in the original movie. And that's mm-hmm. also what they kept it for. I bet you there's a lot of things like that. And maybe then the original character, the one, because I think it's uh, Spencer Tracy's the guy uh, that dies in the original one. But mm-hmm. um, I can't remember who the other guy is. That uh, just when I was looking it up, you know, at first when I was looking at the cast, the other one I was like, because I was like, I thought it said Jackie Gleason is uh, was playing the John Goodman character. I was like, oh no, it's James Gleason. I'm like, because Jackie Gleason, I thought would have been like that would have been been amazing. Like that would have been just like a uh, you know a John Goodman. But um, it's also it's I know it's got a uh, original 007s in it too. Spencer Tracy, Irene Dunn, Van Johnson, Ward Bond. Um, no, it's Van Jim, Johnson plays him. Yeah. Lionel Barrymore's in it too. Yeah, but Barry Nelson's in it, the original Bond that nobody ever remembers. Mm. Oh, yeah, that Bond. Casino Royale Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. There's some there's some stuff that might be taken right out of that movie. The only yeah. bad, like, bad scene in this movie, the, the one I honestly just hated, and it was kind of slapsticky too, felt out of place, very just kind of like abrupt the way it throws you into it, was the homeless guy scene. I hated it. <laughs> It was one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in a, in a Spielberg movie, and a Spielberg directed movie. Yeah, was was that scene? It just it's the guy from Home Alone, the creepy neighbor. Yeah, and it kind of just John Goodman kicks Dork off the off the you know he's trying to be a you know a fight you know a pilot to you know go put out fires. He sucks. John Goodman says, "Get the hell out of here." And he's really sad, but he's just there to bone Holly Hunter. He's well. You know, well and the weird thing to too is he doesn't technically suck. It's that for the for the beginning there, like Richard Drivers is just giving him like really shitty advice and going, "Hey, look, it works." Because even the yeah. part two where like he sees Jugum is like, "Hey, there he is," like, and then he just starts like dicking with him. The very first thing he does when he sees him, he's just like, "Here, scratch that itch." You know what I mean? Like, there you go, mm-hmm. get that, put that grease on your face. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then he's just like he's totally just messing with this guy. I mean, like, it's well, I'm surprised Audrey Hepburn's just like, whoa, 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 you're, you're not supposed to just send this guy to utter failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard Dreyfuss definitely is having way too many, which honestly would have been a gr- better movie. Is it just Richard Dreyfuss? Like, honestly, just the rest of the movie, just fucking with whoever he wants. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna watch 45 minutes of that, then watch <laughs> yeah. this, but um. Yeah, he's kind of messed with the guy, and so he gets you know sent off, and he's like all sad. He goes to a bar, totally botches uh, hooking up with the girl from CSI, and then <laughs> then he's just next thing you know, he's flying through a storm, and he lands at some random fucking place. Yeah, it, it doesn't wa- first. I explain what it is. I, I I realized later it's an airport, but I thought he was like, did he just land at someone's like house? Like, what is going? Like, just I just pull over over the you know I I don't care, just pull over there. I need to take a leak. Like. He pulls off on like an abandoned airfield and then he walks into this building that's like, you know, basically run down and it's in the middle of nowhere. You'll see any civilization around, but of course there's like a homeless guy living in there. And um, the whole interaction is like basically Richard Dreyfus realizes the homeless man can hear him. So he's trying to use him as a, as a medium to, yeah. to, to talk to the Brad Johnson's character or Ted Bundy, we'll just call him Ted Bundy. It's more fun. And <laughs> trying to talk to him and, and figure all this stuff out. And just the whole scene is just weird. The humor doesn't work. Abrupt. Uh, yeah, I hated it. I, I hated that scene. I hated it. Yeah. It was, and, and the more I think about it, I bet you that scenes or something like it is in the original one. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. It's like, what? so the, the homeless guy, like, so if you become homeless and you get really hopped up, you have the power to hear ghosts. <laughs> yeah don't you don't read too much into it that doesn't it, i can't i mean I'll, I'll, like i'll do the thing like it's in the movie so i'll believe it does happen but that's like those things where i kind of go you create a fantasy thing there and then like sometimes when you kind of start adding these like weird rules on top of it it's like where it's like huh that that's there i mean like okay whatever the cat can see him or something like that there's some small things and stuff like that but yeah the homeless guy there it felt like they just needed to like get him to turn the plane around is all they need to do. Like, Oh, you need to go back. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Pure, I, and just peer pressure your way back in there. I know I made you look like the biggest ass known to mankind to everybody there. They probably all want to kill you. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of made it seem like a happenstance and kind of weird. And honestly, Richard Dreyfus, that, that was a great moment for his character to kind of fix some of this and start taking that, you know, his role as um, spiritist, I think is what it's called. Um seriously and they just they just yeah. shoehorn this random homeless guy in there to to kind of steal a thunder and then next thing you know you're out of it and um i don't know it was that was weird this whole movie this movie is kind of weird um no it's definitely weird for sure but there's still something kind of there that i really did enjoy it i would recommend it i mean spielberg i mean it's got it's is it lower echelon spielberg yes is, does it qualify as a is it Spielberg worthy? Yeah, it's it's shot well, it's fun, good acting, yeah. emotional, it's engaging. Like I enjoyed watching it. It's yeah. just well, you know, fall short. It's got some. Well, and I think too, this is the other thing that made this movie kind of a, a hard one to kind of sell. Is it even kind of shows? I mean, the movie post is a little bit different looking than like the the DVD or whatever cover there is now. But like, you have this kind of movie that. You almost want to say that, like, hey, it's a movie about, you know, firefighter pilots, bombardiers going out and taking out things. But that almost leads you into the wrong movie. You, you tell somebody that, like, dude, that sounds amazing. I can't wait to go watch this. I bet you it's action packed to the gills and all kinds of stuff like that. And then so I was like, whoa, 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 back it up. It's also a romance. And then there's mm-hmm. a ghostly fantasy element thrown in there. So it's got all these weird kind of stacked elements in. Once again, it, it makes more sense when it's a remake, but like when I'm kind of watching it, you kind of get that thing where, because one firefighter movies that like are like out in the the, the forest are like next to impossible. I feel like I can't even count on like one hand how many, that many of those kind of movies. There's like very little of them. I mean, even firefighter movies in general, there's not that many of them. Even if you add up the city ones and so on like that, you know, it's kind of weird because you think it's a genre that there'd be a lot more. You think it'd be like almost like police movies. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? You think there'd be almost just as many firefighter movies as there is, you know, police stuff. But you just they come out once in a blue moon, but they're pretty rare. And for the most part, like. 90% of them are city fire and they're mostly always take place in New York. You know, you yeah. really don't see them too much outside of that. So that in itself, just the concept of this, you know, out in the forest bombardiers, like all these things, it's a lot of stuff. I don't, I've never really seen in a movie. So that's kind of cool there. But what, if you tell somebody that, that that's a movie, I feel like they're going to be disappointed if they go in to see that. Cause it's like, Oh, that's just kind of, it's there and it's the backdrop of everything and so on like that. But there's all these other weird elements that kind of go into play. You know, I was thinking too, watching this, um, that if you cut the second, like the the Brad Johnson's character out, yeah, of this, and remove that that particular romantic element, and just have it be about the beginning of the movie where Richard Dreyfuss is how he is, and then the end of it, Holly Hunter how she is, this would have been a great thirty minute short film. And like an amazing stories kind of situation. Yeah. And like it, it, this really didn't need to be an entire movie because really the beginning of it and then the last 15 minutes are what really matters when you look back at it. The other stuff is kind of whatever. Yeah. You don't need that romantic thing. It, it's really about her moving on, letting him go. And then the fact that she moves on and marries somebody else is kind of implied anyway without even having that character there. So, Man, a, a good forty-minute short film and part of one of those little, you know, anthology movies he was doing there for a minute, or stories or TV shows. This would have been perfect for that. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those movies that when I look at it, I feel like you you don't want to just armchair sort of director it. And once again, I know that there's the the remake aspect to it, but I feel like there is many ways you could kind of go about a movie like this, you know, or it's like, I just, when I was watching it before I even knew that, like, I kind of went like, you know, it almost feels like one of those movies that you could almost sort of like remove the ghost element out of it and just make it sort of a firefighter movie slash. It still has like the love story kind of going on, but it goes back and forth between it. So it's pretty balanced between being an action firefighter movie and being that, and almost having it be one of those movies where like he doesn't go down to the very end. And that's sort of like mm-hmm. how it kind of goes. I mean, there's so many different ways you could kind of go into it. Or really, you know, when you once you mention remove the the Brad character, you know what's the other way you can go about it is you could almost give John Goodman more scenes. And John Goodman's the guy who kind of is he doesn't really mean to, but he kind of goes like, Oh man, she's kind of 
fading out. Like when he goes to pick her up from that one random airport she's working at and so on like that, it could be one of those ones. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't really mean to be getting to a relationship, but it just sort of happens. You know what I mean? And you could literally just milk the John Goodman character much more. And it I feels like that too. I feel like that would almost be it. Cause I feel like it'd be one of those ones at first, like, whoa, 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 you're my best friend. What are you doing? What are you doing? But then as it kind of goes on, it's like, you know what? If there's anybody I trust more, it's, you know, my two best friends in a sense. You know what I mean? I feel like that would almost be better than just having the random ass guy who the only reason he's there is because he randomly was chosen to bring a birthday gift, is the only what, reason he's connected this weird way. Yeah. Happenstance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that would have been better. Have John Goodman kind of be the the love interest in that, and then, I mean, it, it kind of feels like Pearl Harbor at that point. But then maybe Michael yeah. Bay <laughs> would have cop would have cop you know would have done something differently, and it, it still would have sucked. But you know, Pearl Harbor is kind of fun. I, I like Pearl Harbor. I, I know most people think of it like I've always enjoyed it. I always have a fun with it. It, it's, it has it's it's the downfall of like when you have too much romance. Like I feel like. To have the when you have an action romance, you got to do it like down the center. Like the action has to be balanced out just as much as the romance. If one, well, you can have the action go much higher. I don't mind that, but you, yeah. but you can't really let the romance go too high into the action, or else it kind of because that's the thing is that it throws the people off going into it. Because that's a perfect Pearl Harbor is actually a perfect example of like the same way as trying to explain to this movie that it's about bombardiers and people are like, oh, I'm sold on it. Like you go, yeah, it's Pearl Harbor. It's about the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And then the, the retaliation of it. You're like, that's great. And then they go to the movie theater like, you didn't tell me that there was two hours of love before anything happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that's kind of how it is. It's like, if you, you know, you kind of want to be like, because that's the thing about Pearl Harbor. It's like, once you get past that part, the movie's great for the next like last hour. Yeah. <laughs> the missile dropping scene is cool. Well, shot yeah. the missile. That's, that's my take on Pearl Harbor. But always... Perhaps the most forgotten Spielberg movie, at least discussed, except by us. Yeah. Um, maybe is this the first Spielberg movie we've ever done? Did we do Hook? No, I think we did, we did back in the past. Did. We did. I, maybe it was just me. I can't. No, remember. We, we did Hook. I think we did. We hook. did. We did do Hook. Real quick, something that ties into a past episode, which I sh I can revive this on YouTube. I actually have it still sitting there, and I can bring it back up. So I might do that just so for reference sake. Um, we did uh, probably about a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago. We did um, "Romancing the Stone" and "Jewel of the Nile." Yes, and we mentioned uh, Diane Thomas. I think was her name. Uh, she was supposed to write the second movie. She dies in a car crash. You know, she like Michael Douglas met her at like a restaurant, loved mm -hmm. her, gave her a chance to write this movie, bought her this nice car. She dies in the car. I think her boyfriend wrecked it, and yeah. It mentioned in the trivia about that, that she was actually getting ready to work with Spielberg on a movie and she was doing early work on that. And that's when she died. So her career is about to take off. This was that movie. Oh, that's right. This was, this was the movie she was working on. I read in the trivia here. And so that came full circle. I was like, I've all, cause I always wondered what it was. Cause it didn't mention. And I was like, what movie? And I, I since I didn't know always existed, I'm like, well, you know, what was it? Well, then I see this and I realize, and it, it when you look at it, it kind of makes sense. And honestly, if she would have been around to finish this script, it could have been way better. Yeah. But, you know, so that's just Wait, another, another thing in there too. Yeah. And you never know if like a script is going to tactically be the thing that gets it kind of going. As I said, I don't know, maybe, maybe if some character changes around so on. As I said, I think what I'm really thinking, and this is why I kind of went mind seeing the guy, guy named Joe, is that they're kind of doing it like a straight kind of remake, just a different era in a different like time. Because mm -hmm. literally, it sounds like in the other one too, is like in the end, like, uh, you know, um, pretty much the Holly Hunter character, she literally takes over a B-24 and goes to fly over Japan to drop bombs on them. And it's like, this, it's the same thing as the, the forest fire, but she's just proven that she can do it kind of thing. You know what I mean? I like it better when the the main, you know, the protagonist doesn't go murder a bunch of innocent people, but it's just me. It'd be funny if it's just like, like she, which plane did she steal? She stole the one that has the atom bomb on it. <laughs> like, the guy doing a checklist. Uh, well, like, no. like, you don't realize like how she doesn't realize how serious of a plane she just took yeah. off. In. <laughs> so funny. Like the guy doing a checklist. Like, no. Hey, have you guys seen the Anola gay? No. Yeah. I'm just looking for it. I don't see. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> Shit. Oh, she's got a radio up and everything. Yeah, she just. <laughs> There'll just be some old man. She just had like women pilots. 
<laughs> and then she nukes the wrong city. She's over Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, she's over Taiwan. Just, just changed the whole course of human history. I want, yeah. I want to see that movie now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man, yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> she just like, okay, what's this button do? <laughs> oh gosh. Chance of somebody who has no idea. They just yeah. want to prove that they can fly. They're like, but just, you, you, you haven't flown a day in your life. And then Robert Shaw doesn't have to do, doesn't have his, you know, dialogue in Jaws. That never <laughs> happens. You know, she just, you yeah, know. just one of those ones there. But, um, wow, that's funny. <laughs> but, um, yeah, always. It's still good. It's, it's yeah. a hidden gem. Definitely recommend watching it. We kind of shit on it, but it's, it's, not a bad movie. It's just a bad Spielberg movie. And yeah, I wouldn't not, say bad. Bad's not the right yeah. word for that. I, I think it's just, it's just got some goofy elements to it, but it's not like, I mean, I'll say the whole way through, it's still enjoyable. Like I, I was still really engaged in this yeah. movie. And actually, once I was done with it, the more I thought about it, I actually liked it more. Mm-hmm. I liked it more. The end of it kind of reminded me, it has like a, a similar element to, um, it's a different dynamic between the characters, but it kind of had that kind of weird surrealism, um, like a contact at the end of contact. Um, it just kind of this, you know, broad, just kind of like, you know, this transition needs going on. Like, where's he going? What's how, what happens to these characters after this? And it's just kind of weird, but it's, I still really liked it. And it's, it's, I think if we would have found this movie and a, a completely different director did it, you didn't have John Williams on the score. You don't have all these big actors. We've been like, man, look at what they did with this little, this little project. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think you, when looking at it through the lens of Spielberg, I think causes you to be more critical, which is not fair. Yeah. It's still a good movie. It's just, yeah. You know, uh, the audience score is low too. It's like 60%, but I think that's probably because people wanted him to, to like be revived at the end or he gets to come back or well that that's know. the thing is i feel that's that's probably the hard time this movie still actually did pretty well money wise mm-hmm. but um you know i 74 think that's, million yeah i think a lot of people just kind of went into the, i think the thing is is like what you your expectations for this movie even if you watch like the trailer and so on like that i think it's like there's so many different things that i think you can kind of go into thinking this movie is and sometimes like it's that one where like you go in and like what you expected and it does something completely different and you almost don't like the movie but if you rewatch it and you know how it goes and you're like oh it actually is a pretty good movie you know and I, but I think a lot of people just never rewatch this movie i think they just kind of went in there and went like oh either there's not enough firefighting <clears throat> or the ghost thing's kind of corny or <clears throat> there's some other elements or they were expecting like Indiana Jones four, but with planes, you know, you never know what people are going into expecting. So I feel like that's why that, that user score is a little bit low is because people haven't kind of, they didn't go in with a necessarily an open mind, I think. Mm-hmm. Cause as I said, when I was watching this movie, I knew nothing about it. And that's always my favorite way to watch a movie. Like I saw the cover of the DVD, which really doesn't tell you very much. And I just went in with that. All I knew was that Richard Dreyfuss, John Goodman, Audrey Hepburn, Holly Hunter. I didn't know anything else. It's a Spielberg movie. And I think because of that, I could really enjoy this movie and take it in. But if I kind of went in, at the, if I probably watched the, if, if I probably watched the trailer, I bet you the trailer is sort of misleading. It is. <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it, you, you have to be honest and say that he's dead or, you know what I mean? It, it's, mm-hmm. you, it's just, it's weird, but always, uh, you can't find it anywhere. We, ha- I had to rent it. Um, yeah. How did you watch it? Did you just I rented it? it on Amazon. You I did? Oh. I was going to buy the Blu-ray, but since it had no special features, I was like, mm, no special mm. features, no dice. Wish you would told me. I ran it on Voodoo. I gave you my Voodoo code. You could have watched it on there. I, I, I could have, but you know what? I, I felt this movie, If maybe for each $4 we give to it, it will somehow bring out a special edition. <laughs> yeah, it got, eight, it got $8 out of us. Yeah. So. I, I, I would love a special edition of it because, as I said, like I liked it. It's definitely a movie that I, I could see watching again You know, down the line, you know. I would definitely like to see an insight from Spielberg on this movie. His just thoughts on making it. And um, I can't remember what was said, but it seemed like he had positive feelings about making this, this movie. So yeah, it probably um, was one of the ones he, this movie was for him. He could kind of care less about what everybody else thought. I think it's one of those ones, mm -hmm. which all his movies are now, which is fine. Yeah. You know, and the thing too is like, I always like when like the movies, it's like almost kind of the more forgotten movies to me. I would rather see more special features on that than the other way. 
it's sort of like when you get a book on somebody like an autobiography and something like that and they'll talk big on the stuff it's like yeah i already know these big ones whatever who cares but when it comes to the little stuff that's where i want to hear the details on because that's the stuff that where the, the information is a lot more hidden and mm -hmm. lost it seems like you know i watched that whole spielberg documentary and they might have talked about this movie i just don't remember it yeah, but, but, but I feel like they touched on everything. <laughs> just yeah, it's, kind of, it's just. Weird. I, I felt this one was kind of like a. It was like a plane doing a dive bomb, mm. and, that was, and then they're on to the next thing. Yeah, well, the next thing was Hook. Yeah, and which wasn't received well. Which I love to dive into Hook because. Yeah, and well, and, and Hook nowadays is kind of like almost in a weird way, like you can't really ask like in a sense a '90s kid on the street, and they don't like Hook. There's probably something wrong with them. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, now. Always go find it if you want to watch it. You can rent it for $4 like we did. Um, and uh, least discussed Spielberg movie, I'll I'll go ahead and say. That and Sugarland Express, probably the two. Yeah. Um, and, and what now? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and Sugarland Express is almost a little bit more, and I think, talk than like this one is just because it's like the early day Spielberg stuff. Mm -hmm. Or this one just kind of, it's like middle days, and it's kind of just in about the dead center, so it's very, it's almost way more hidden because of that, I think. He kind of has that early 90s renaissance. Not that his career really died off, but it's just, <laughs> it went from like, you know, Color Purple, you know, um, what was the Christian Bale movie? Oh, uh, right, Empire, Rise, or Empire, Empire of the Sun. Of the, yeah, Empire of the Sun. Michael Crichton um, again. Yeah, like good stuff, but just, you know, not blockbustery, big time Spielberg stuff. And then it goes to Hook and this, and the next thing you know, you get Schindler's List, Jurassic Park. You know, yeah, exactly. Kind of a and then following that up, you're getting Saving Private Ryan, all that stuff. It like yeah. it doesn't stop. Yeah, but um, go check it out if you've never seen it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, hearing us talk about it. And I hope we didn't spoil too much of it for you. But um, yeah, always 1989, Steven Spielberg. Uh, go check it out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at via VHS. Um, you can find me on Instagram at via VHS Pod. Trying to do some more TikTok stuff. You can find me at via VHS there. Always, you can go to oldmanorange.com and find everything that Spencer does. He does everything. I do a lot of things. It's Swiss Army knife of uh, content. <laughs> I got him here on via VHS with us, so I'm pretty proud of that. But um, thanks for listening. Uh, more stuff coming up soon. Stay tuned for the flashback portal episode that'll accompany this from I think it was December 22nd, 1989. So we're at the very end of the 80s. So just the last week of just uh, 80s action, kind of see what was going on as we move into the 90s and transition to another time. So. Anyway, thanks for listening. Y'all have a good one, and Via VHS is out. Yeah.